Welcome in. You are listening to the Blue Notes Podcast, a presentation of Indianapolis cult stories and notes. I'm your host, Benjamin Taylor. Buckle up, Colts fans. It's getting a bit rocky on this road right through two losses, and we're staring 0-3 right in the face. The Twitter walls are caving in and the sky is falling. It's a bad, bad place out there. But listen, the Blue Notes podcast is a safe and peaceful place. You don't have to worry about our team going 0-16 right now. Don't worry about our quarterback's ankles. Let's all take a deep breath and we'll be okay. This week, we'll look at the Rams game and take what we can from it, and then on to Tennessee. Stay with me. As we look back to the Rams game, I want to revisit my three keys to victory. But first, I know this seems like a dire situation. It does. I'm with you. The Colts have looked pretty bad these first two weeks. And now, Jacob Eason might be starting in a must-win division game. Or worse, I even heard that Brett Hundley could get some snaps Sunday. Okay, yes, that sounds like a nightmare. But let's think about it this way. The Colts are 0-2. They've played two of the best teams in the league. The offensive line has had very few days of practice together at all, ever. Wentz hasn't had many reps either. T.Y. Hilton and Xavier Rhodes haven't played What did you think was going to happen? At best, I thought they might split the first two, and that was before I saw the Rams play. They look like a Super Bowl contender. The Colts just aren't there yet. Honestly, they might even be closer than I thought they would be. They had a chance to win Sunday, but they just aren't there yet. To beat the Rams last week, I said the Colts needed to find a way to get comfortable and play loose. They had to impose their will and play their game. The Colts never got comfortable Sunday. They were never really able to get into a rhythm and play their style. It's hard to get comfortable, though, when you're running for your life. The offensive line continues to be an issue. I will say, though, that Carson Wentz runs for his life better and faster than either Jacoby Brissett or Phillip Rivers. Carson gave his team a chance Sunday, but it wasn't enough. There was just no way to get into any kind of rhythm, no matter who was under center or who was running routes or who was in the backfield. The tone of the offense is set up front with the O-line, and when the O-line is bad and inconsistent, the offense is inconsistent. It's that simple. Against the Rams, the Colts were able to take a few shots downfield and stretch the defense at times. Michael Pittman Jr., who had a career game, was the beneficiary of most of that action, and that was great to see. But it was erratic. It was a kiss, then a slap, then a handshake, followed by a cup of cold water to the face. The run game was about the same, not noticeably better, but I did think that Marlon Mack added a tiny spark. He had a few good carries, which was good to see, but strangely, Naeem Hines had only two total touches. You could say that the Colts had brief stretches of comfortability, but were overall too inconsistent. Secondly, to beat the Rams, I said the Colts had to take the friggin' points. Take the points. Listen, I love Frank Reich's aggressive play calling. I do. And I love the belief he has in his team and in himself. I've never been critical of that. 
To be anything at all in this world, you have to be aggressive. I think that's the saying, fortune favors the bold. Sure, be bold, but have some sense, man. The Colts' red zone scoring stinks. It stinks. It really wasn't great last year, and now they're worse. In 2020, the Colts scored touchdowns on 58% of red zone visits. That was okay about middle of the pack, but in 2021, they're off to a sad start. The Colts are scoring touchdowns on less than 38% of red zone visits. I understand the thinking. You convert on a fourth down and score a touchdown. It gives your team a huge boost, but the team is converting at such a low rate, why risk it? Instead of that early boost, you're sinking low from the start. And the play calling, well, that was a different disaster. On the Colts' first three snaps from the one-yard line, I'm fine with the runs. I would expect one of them to work. Oh, well, they didn't. So then, on the fourth down, you have Wentz running backward, and he's sacked for a big loss. At least if you run it up the middle one more time and don't get it, the Rams would have to start their possession inches from their own end zone. The call to run Wentz back was a costly one. It not only didn't work, but it moved the Rams out of the shadow of their own end zone. Soon after, the Colts had another red zone visit that yielded no points. I'm a little less critical of this possession. They moved the ball forward on the first and second downs, then tried something fancy on third down. It was a shovel pass intended for Jack Doyle. My first thought while watching the game was that the Colts are not the Chiefs. And Jack Doyle, sadly, is not Travis Kelsey. Why are they doing this? It seemed out of character. Maybe it's good to be out of character in hopes to catch the defense off guard, but the Rams weren't fooled. They busted the play and picked off the pass. I'm less critical of that second possession because Aaron Donald made a great defensive play and the Colts didn't even get a chance to kick the field goal. They did on the first possession, decided not to, and ended up losing the game by three points. And lastly, I wanted the tight ends to be more involved, and they were. Against the Seahawks, Jack Doyle and Mo Alley-Cox had three catches on six targets for 21 yards. Sunday, against the Rams, Doyle and Cox had six catches on 10 targets for 82 yards. More importantly, they were moving the sticks, converting on third downs. Jack even added a two-point conversion. I thought the tight ends could exploit the middle of the field. Jack Doyle especially had a great game, but it proved not to be enough. Before moving on from the Rams, I think it's important to ask, what do we learn? What more do we know about the Colts that we didn't know a week ago? For one, Michael Pittman is a dog. That's D-A-W-G. That dude is impressive. I kept hearing all through training camp that he's an angry runner, that Pitt runs angry, and now we're seeing it. I hope you all will forgive me. I feel like all those summer episodes mentioned other receivers way more than Pitt. It's true. I like the potential of Michael Strawn, plus he has such a great story. I'm also on board with any kind of Paris Campbell comeback story. I'm ready for that. But none of those guys is ready to play like a number one wide receiver. Sunday, Michael Pittman Jr. looked like the number one. 
and I'm here for that. What else did we learn on Sunday about this team? Well, I think we're learning that a soft preseason means a slow start. The Colts just don't look ready to face good teams right now. The defense has been shaky. The offensive line is banged up. No rookies have made any significant impact. Quiddy Pay and Strawn are playing, but they're not dominating. And Kylan Granton can't get on the field. I bet this team looks great by November, but how many losses will have piled up by then? Against the Rams, the keys weren't turned. The Colts didn't win and are now 0-2 at home and on the season. Okay, now let's broaden our scope and think about this team with a season-long view. Last week's episode raised some red flags from the first game, and I want to readdress those warning signs. The first red flag was raised by the broken-down offensive line. It was alarming in the first game, and somehow it was worse against the Rams. That's according to PFF scoring. The O-line average was 60.9 against the Seahawks and only 53.7. 53.7 against the Rams. Now, I think the Aaron Donald factor probably dented scores a good bit, but nevertheless, they were bad. Again, Eric Fisher emerged from Achilles rehab to play most of the snaps, and I think he was not awful. He was certainly an upgrade from Julian Davenport, who has moved over to play right tackle. But I will say it again, Eric Fisher is not Anthony Costanzo. And I don't expect him to be, but I do think he can help get this O-line back to something resembling its old ways. The hope now is to get the 2020 version of Braden Smith back soon. Smith hasn't been ruled out for the Titans game, but he also hasn't practiced yet this week, so I'm not sure what's going to happen there. I've soaked up a deluge of opinions since Sunday, so I apologize for not remembering who made the excellent point that the Colts' O-line really hasn't played together at all. Fisher is just now returning. Ryan Kelly and Quentin Nelson were both injured during camp, and now Braden Smith is out. Perhaps the deep red flag lightens a bit to a warm orange when Braden Smith returns and the whole unit is together long enough to build some continuity. It's certainly one to monitor. Another red flag erected after the Seahawks game was in crooked honor of the Colts secondary. And wow, now that flag is soaring like a bald eagle at the toll of the Freedom Bell. Somehow, to the tune of my finite mind combusting, this secondary was worse. I don't understand it. Kenny Moore and Kari Willis are now exposed weaknesses. They've played two dreadful games to start the season, and I don't think I've seen either of them play two bad games in their careers. In two games, Kenny Moore has been targeted 13 times for 12 completions. Kari Willis has been targeted six times for six completions. That means if you target one of these two players, you are completing a pass 95% of the time. <laughs> I'm flabbergasted. However, I do feel differently about these two players. I think you just have to let Kenny Moore figure it out. 
Maybe it's early season rust or just a puzzling patch, but I do think he works through it okay. He's a good cover corner. He's proven it over the course of three seasons. But for Kari Willis, you have to jam that panic button yesterday. Jam it. Kari Willis has been exposed. I think, I mean, I thought he was a flawless strong safety, and that is clearly not the case. While I was watching the game Sunday, I literally had a small panic moment. I thought, oh my God, what are we going to do? I thought Kari Willis would be a 10-year starter. Now he's not even going to make a second contract. We have to draft a safety next year. Maybe two of them. <sighs> Since then, I've calmed down a bit, I promise. I think Kari is going to be okay, but the coaches have to get him out of man coverage. He can't do it. He's been exposed now in two games, and you better believe every opponent is watching film and scheming a way to get their best guy matched up on Kari Willis. I'm not exactly sure how the coaches handle this, but I do see a way out. Kari has to be rescued from man coverage, especially against wide receivers. He's still a great tackling strong safety. He opened the fourth quarter Sunday by tackling Daryl Henderson for a loss, which led to a three and out and stunted the Rams' offense. We know what Kari Willis does well, and good coaches put their players in a position to succeed. We need that from the Colts' coaching staff. Kari needs that. Overall, the secondary was just as bad this Sunday as the previous Sunday, and yet Rock Yassin continues to be one of the better ones. He hasn't been great, but he's been consistent. Julian Blackman played pretty well Sunday, too. This group desperately needs Xavier Rhodes back. That's my conclusion. I think his presence can bring the salve that heals an imbalanced unit. With Rhodes back, everyone else, including Kari Willis, can get back to doing what they do well. So far, it's been like a bad group project, one where the valedictorian abandoned the group for a higher calling. They're all stretching themselves thin, trying to overcompensate for what they don't have. And lastly, this wasn't much of a red flag, more like an observation. I wanted to give an update on the training camp superstars. Ben Banigou dropped from six snaps against the Seahawks to only four snaps in the Rams game. A player who owned training camp has once again vanished in the regular season. This is disappointing because after most fans and writers had quit on Banigou, he built a strong case in camp to earn a roster spot. Then he earned that spot. He even created some hope that he can make an impact this year, but he probably didn't even have to wash his uniform after those first two home games. Taekwon Lewis is another one who has my attention. He played a bit more than Banigou, 29 snaps in Week 1 and 32 snaps in Week 2. Kamoka Ture came back from injury to play against the Rams, but made no effect. Banigou, Lewis, and Ture all failed to earn a mark on the stat sheet Sunday. Now, on to Tennessee. I'm not going to do three keys to victory this week because, well, frankly, I don't think there's a very good chance the Colts win this game. Right now, Carson Wentz has two sprained ankles. We know that. That's not good. But we don't know much else. As of Thursday night, there hasn't been a starting quarterback named for Sunday. Sometimes no news is good news, but when it comes to injuries for the Colts, no news 
is usually bad news. If Carson Wentz, Braden Smith, and Xavier Rhodes all miss the game Sunday, here's what you do. Just take an afternoon nap. Just go to sleep and enjoy the day. Then maybe watch the game later on your NFL ticket or game pass when you're emotionally ready for it. Don't worry about it. If you do watch, here's what I hope to see regardless of injuries. I want to see a better defensive scheme, one that keeps Kari Willis out of man coverage. I want to see better coverage from Kenny Moore. I'd like to see the defensive line pressure Ryan Tannehill and force some turnovers. And on the other side, I want to see better offensive line play. I'm not asking for excellence. I'll settle for improvements. Remember, this is a safe space, Colts fans. We're in the midst of a little storm. You're allowed to feel a way about this, but it's still early. We're going to work our way through this, I promise. There's no reason to panic just yet. Sometimes the unlikeliest of heroes emerged in the darkest battles. Let's hope for the best. Enjoy your Sunday. I'll talk to you next week. Go Colts! This was a presentation of the Blue Notes Podcast. I'm Benjamin Taylor. Thank you for listening.